Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Sam, and I co-host the Scott Holm podcast, the known universe's first Houston Cougar sports podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dork so thank you and go Cougs and welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast I am your host Andy Metz today we are getting ready to preview the final game for the Kansas Jayhawks before they head off to the bye week. And let me tell you, it is a much needed bye week. Injuries piling up for the Jayhawks on the football side. Um, so we are trying to see if they can limp in with a victory and become bowl eligible before the bye week, which if you had told me that was going to happen before the season, I would have called you crazy because I would have thought they're not going to qualify for bowling until the end of the season. But to help me talk about this game, talk about the opponent coming up, which is the Baylor Bears. I have coming back to the podcast, Matt Wilson of Our Daily Bears and, of course, of Between Two Bears here on the 1012 Podcast Network as part of Sports Drink Network. Matt, how are you doing today? This feels like a bait and switch. I'm livid. I wore my national championship basketball shirt here okay i thought i was here to talk about two really positive things i mean basketball and kansas basketball but yet again bamboozled we can talk football if you want though that's well yeah yeah i mean we'll have plenty of time to talk basketball too at some point (laughs) so look no basketball to be here man thanks for having me yeah you know it's great this is um I was saying this is not the conversation I thought we were going to be having. Honestly, beginning this of the year, is like, and I want to push back on that. I want to interrupt you because this is the conversation I thought we would be having. Well, well, you didn't like let me finish. Baylor side, right? That's what I was going to say. I like I expected Baylor to be, you know, pushing as a team that was competing for you know a a trip to the Big Twelve title. I thought this was going to be an opportunity for Kansas to spoil, uh, you know, Baylor's opportunity to to remain up at the top there. Um, Instead, we've got, you know, a Kansas who is just coming off of being ranked. They're no longer ranked at this point, but are still receiving enough votes that, you know, if they get a win here against Baylor, you could see them jump back up into the polls before the bye. Um, you know, great start for the Jayhawks, obviously going 5-0, and even better than I thought that they would be able to do at the beginning of the year. But Baylor, on the other hand, like, I think there was a lot of people that were, you know, worried about some potential issues, but I don't know that anybody really thought it was going to be you know, as bad as it has been at times for the Baylor Bears. So what has been going on with this team? Why are they str- they seeming to struggle so much right now, especially offensively? I I, I want to uh, preface a lot of this with just some facts, right? I mean, there, there's a real argument to be made that if Baylor 
makes all of their extra point kicks this season, Baylor is what five and one. I I think, and then you know, there's a, a less plausible layer to that, um, where if if Baylor uh, doesn't get a safety in the end zone <laughs> against Oklahoma State, or doesn't have you know, just there's like four to five plays. That's that's all it comes down to. Now, look, that's football. I'm not trying to make excuses or saying this is all luck, right? You kind of create your own luck. But this Baylor team isn't as as bad as even some of the Baylor fan base thinks or as some of the national media might think. Um, but the record is what it is, and there's just no way around that. So what is, quote, wrong with Baylor, right? The defense isn't where it used to be, where it was last year, just because of youth, I think, right? You have an NFL safety and an NFL linebacker that you're replacing, as well as just some new faces and some new positions for some of those defenders. And the adjustment hasn't been as smooth as I thought it would be. And I think as a lot of thought, people thought it would be, probably the coaching staff included, Offensively, this team is getting better every week. This team is definitely better than they were last season offensively. And um, it's it's just not balancing out the way that we were hoping as Baylor fans. But the quality is still there. It just needs to be more consistent. I guess I want to push back, not necessarily saying that you're wrong. It's just it does not come across as this offense being better than it was last year because last year you had you know really strong running back that could pretty much run at will you had you know you had uh Gary Bohannon like you had guys that could could get the ball moving up and down and and I thought Baylor especially especially early in the year seemed to be playing a lot better now their defense really tightened up and they started to win a bunch of low scoring games at the end of the year but it, it definitely like my my I should say the the feeling that I get when I watch this team or the impression that I get is that this is one where the offense is struggling, can't seem to get out of its own way, and it's it's just not working as well as it was last year. Again, that, that might be outside or not really understanding no, you, what was you, going on. You, but. Hit the na- you hit the nail on the head. The The perception is you're exactly right. Let me, let me rephrase. This offense projects, if we're judging by the West Virginia game, if we're judging by you know, some portions of the Oklahoma state game, definitely Iowa state. Um, This offense projects to be, it's already way more explosive. It's, it's just not as consistent. And, and there, there was a very reliable consistency to the offense for most of last season with the exceptions being Oklahoma state in Stillwater with the exception being TCU. And, and then there was a couple other games as well. However, Blake Shapin adds a dynamic facet to this offense that just Baylor just did not have last season. So the passing game, even though the receivers are super young and inexperienced, the the, the potential is still very there, and the tr- it is trending upward sharply. But you're exactly right. The perception is what's happening here. A lot of mistakes, a lot of penalties. Um, that's kind of been the theme. I mean, a bunch of everybody in the Baylor podcast ecosystem has been talking about how Baylor has been shooting themselves in the foot, uh, more often than not. And it's hard to overcome that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I like Kansas fans are used to seeing offenses that shoot themselves in the foot, um, a lot. So like, I'm, I'm very, very aware of what that looks like. So, um, but so, I mean, talking then about, about this team, because obviously, you know, we definitely talked about it before the year, uh, you know, Blake Shapin won the job from, from Gary Bohannon, um, you know, prior to him transferring out at this, you know, at, at the point that he did, um, who is now, you know, he's now over with, didn't he go to SMU and I I believe it's Uh, where he went, but USF, USF. That's what it was. That's right. USF. And he is out for the year right after having surgery, which really sucks for him. But you know, it's one of the, it's one of those things where I think there was a lot of people that were surprised, right. That they did it that way in allowing him to go ahead and, and leave and not have a very capable backup. As we've seen multiple times, there's been a lot of teams that have had their starting quarterback knocked out and have needed to have a backup that can play pretty well. I think you can make the argument that uh, Kyron Jones having to, or sorry, Kyron Drones having to play, you know, in that game against West Virginia, um, 
you know, you I, I think there, there was definitely some things that he did in that game that you wouldn't have expected to see from Blake Shapin and potentially from a Gary Bohannon if he was the guy that was coming in as the backup. Um, but how much how much uh, faith does this team have in Blake Shapin and what he's able to do? And has he lived up to those expectations so far? Ooh, that that forces me to speculate on on what the coaches think and. That's that's tough to do. Although, well, it could even be fans like because I I know that there was a lot of fans that seemed to be excited about that. Right. And so, like, if you look at it from like from the information you have, obviously not being in the room, you can't you can't talk, you know, specifically about what the coaching staff was looking for. But but trying to look at it, uh, you know, objectively from someone on the outside, like, does it seem like Shapin has done everything that, that you would think that they would be asking him to taking over as the main guy? Short answer. Yes. With very with some minor nitpicking on, on some minor stuff, but absolutely Blake Chapin can make the throws that Gary just simply could not or would not. He's way more accurate in the deep passing game. The velocity on the ball opens up both sides of the field. Baylor honestly could not throw to the wide side of the field. Most of the time Gary was in control of that offense. That is not the case here. Blake will fire it all over the field. Um, So, Yes. To answer your question, I think expectations have been met. I think everybody wants him to slide a little bit earlier and with a little bit more um, determination, right? Instead of just remembering last minute, oh, that's right, coach wants me to slide (laughs) and then sliding. Um, And it does look like he will play this week uh, per, per Randa. So that's good. Glad the head injury wasn't too bad from the hit that he took in in the West Virginia game. But yeah, having, having a backup like drones, even though he may not be the perfect backup quarterback, even though he may not be quite ready to start yet to have a backup quarterback come in and just be nails on a fourth and one in tight coverage and just rocket a ball in there to a, to a young receiver. Not every, not every team has that cough, cough, Oklahoma. Right. And it's, 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 it's really comforting to know that if something did happen, with a week to prepare drones would probably be ready for just about, just about every team in the conference. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a little unfair to try to evaluate how he would do for those that haven't been paying you know, haven't been watching Baylor week in and week out um, from what happened there in West Virginia. Cause that was a very difficult situation. I think for him to come in on that short, uh, you know, that, that very, very short yeah. notice. Um, and West Virginia, you know, for all the struggles that they've had, they are not a bad team this year. They've just been unfortunate, I think, with the way that some of those results have happened and kind of the timing of when they hit particular teams. Um, so, like, I mean, but I, I wouldn't say that they're a a bad team. I also don't think that there's actually a bad team in the Big 12 at all this year. So, right. They're not they're not atrocious. Right. They have plenty of talent and plenty of skill. And when they put it together, they can reach out and probably beat just about any team in the conference. Um, here I am like coping with the loss. I'm like, oh, West Virginia might, hey, they're way better. But you brought it up first. I just want to, I just want to point that out. Oh, no, no, I, I know. Well, <laughs> I am on the record as well over on the 1012, you know, saying that like all of these teams are good. And, and there's a lot of people that have been saying like the Big 12 top to bottom is a very, very good football conference. They just don't have that, you know, top end that people think can compete for a national title, which if you're not the SEC, you probably don't have one anyway. So, well, I'm, I'm glad that. I'm hoping some percentage of of your audience does not listen to our podcast because that is not what we were saying about West Virginia before the game. Well, well, no, 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 no. Well, you should have heard what I was saying about Oklahoma before that game. So, (laughs) but yeah, so the West Virginia result was disappointing, especially since it was preventable from a Baylor perspective, right? You clean up some of the mistakes. You don't get an extra point blocked in return for an extra two. I mean, that was a massive swing there. And it, it, it's probably a different result eight times out of 10, but it is what it is. And now Baylor has to turn around and get its stuff together because this isn't, you know, this isn't the same old Kansas. This is not the same old Jason Bean, right? This is an improved Kansas team an improved roster um, an improved defense. I'll say it not a perfect defense, but an improved Kansas defense. And Baylor has a chance this is an inflection point of the season, right? Um, because if if you are not put together and ready for it, Kansas will absolutely come in and beat you I, I, on homecoming. Absolutely. Without a doubt. 
Yeah, it was it was actually kind of funny that you brought up homecoming because Lance Leipold was to, was to ask that question right during um, you know during his press conference this week about how last week was homecoming for Oklahoma and this week is homecoming for Baylor and he's like you know we've got to get to the point where we're no longer being the you know the automatic shoe in for the homecoming game the automatic yeah because it's been that way for way too long like I, I think Kansas on the road has been the homecoming opponent for I think three or four different teams every single year for the last like ten years it's been ridiculous but I mean I, I understand why they do it because you want you know to have a game where you expect to win you know as your homecoming game um, much like I think Kansas did with TCU looking at their schedule they were like hey this is probably our best bet in that window of when you want homecoming to happen um, for us right. to potentially have a win so yeah um, you want good vibes yeah exactly so but but so kind of looking at and, and you brought up the Kansas defense and what the Kansas defense does, because I think what Oklahoma was successful in last week and really kind of took the Kansas defense out of it for a long time um, was they went extremely quick, hurry up, did not substitute at all. So Kansas could not rotate in all of the defensive depth that they have. Um, how how comfortable is ba- this Baylor offense running a hurry up offense or are they ones that do need to get those substitutions in quite often boy i wish you had not asked me that because the question is we don't know because we haven't seen it the 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 question of comfort with the concept boy i hope they worked on it this week because you're exactly right that that is how you can get that that's how you make the game easier against this kansas defense um because if you're not putting up points kansas will and, you know, we, we just haven't seen it. I, I don't I don't really know how to answer that question because I think I think this team has the capability to do that. But then you look at the young receiving core, you look at the young running back room and can can you get those protections in quickly? Can you get those route trees in quickly? Those two, three play sequences, you know, depending on how they actually put, put the plays in. So, you know, I, I hope we see some of it, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. Yeah, it's it's also one of those things like I was looking like trying to look back in their schedule and see where they might have actually had to run a hurry up before. And I like I don't see a lot of situations where they tried to run like a two minute drill at the end of half or anything like that. Like they didn't usually have the ball at the end of half or if they did, it was like, you know, for 30 seconds, seconds which you can't. Yeah, which which while it theoretically can give you some information like. You know, you typically have more time in the hurry up to actually drive down the field and do stuff. And, and, and honestly, as, especially against a team like Kansas, like what your goal is, is to try to get those hurry up chunk plays and, you know, take a 15 play drive down the field in, you know, four and a half minutes or something like that. So, um, but I mean, like I haven't, I haven't really seen too much where they've had an opportunity to do it. So like you said, like I was going back trying to see if I could find where they did it. Um, and it was really hard to find something. And it sounds like yeah. it's because they just don't do it. Um, I, I do wonder because, like you said, you know they have a bunch of young receivers, a bunch of young, um, young running backs, and of course Blake Shapin being you know a first year starter. Um, I, I do wonder how well they'll be able to do that because Oklahoma, you know, they were able to use their size advantage and 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 really kind of push the pace there, and Kansas wore out really fast. Um, Leipold has been very upfront. It's like, you know, our ones probably do not match up favorably with the opponent's ones if they have to play each other all game long. So where we make up the difference is we get a whole bunch of guys in there, uh, you know, that are all playing at relatively the same level and then wear you down by the end of the game so that you can be successful. And Kansas has done that time and time again this year. They did it against Duke. They did it against, um, you know, Iowa State. They did it against TCU to a degree. Um, you know, and I mean, they, they did it against Houston on the road and West Virginia on the road as well. So, like, that's their game plan. I think that's what most teams are going to try to do to this Kansas defense the rest of the way. But, you know, even when other teams, like, because, like, Houston tried to run the hurry up some. West Virginia tried to run the hurry up some. Kansas was still able to make enough plays to stop them, to require them to change packages and change what they were doing, which then allowed the subs to come in. So I will be very curious how quickly Shapin tries to push it, how you know fast Aranda wants that offense to go, and if that leads to mistakes. Um, how, how has this team been at taking care of the ball? I, I know that my, my limited viewing of Baylor, I try to watch as much of all the conferences as I possibly can, but my, my limited viewing of Baylor, it seems to me like they are not particularly emphasizing ball security. They, they do like to take chances. You know, they have run into some situations where they probably take some chances that they shouldn't. That's completely opposite of what Kansas does. Kansas is a team that is very, very big on trying to make sure that they keep the ball. 
Um, Baylor seems to be more willing to take some of those risks and kind of push the envelope some. H- have they been doing that this year, and how often has it come back to actually bite them? That's a really good question. I, I hadn't looked at the raw numbers for just you know just pure counting stats for turnovers. So on the season, four fumbles, four interceptions. I will say this: Baylor has had awful fumble luck, which it happens, right? Uh, I think most of the fumbles that Baylor has given up have been recovered by the opposing team Um, as well as there's been more fumbles that Baylor has caused and had not gotten those back. So um, the the interceptions, there was one against Texas state where I think it was ironically kind of good for Blake Shapin to get that out of the way because he looked very tentative against BYU like afraid to make a mistake. So I'm, I'm kind of glad he threw one against Texas state as insane as that sounds. There were two against Oklahoma state. One was very late in the game when he was just trying to make something happen. Um, again, I'm not trying to make excuses for these, just kind of contextualize them. And then there was uh, one just really bad young player decision from Kyron drones uh, throwing a pick in, in Morgantown. So in the end, No, the numbers aren't great, but if you contextualize them a little bit, you can see that it's not as bad as it seems. Um, The the issue for me actually comes defensively when it comes to turnovers. This Baylor defense doesn't seem to be generating as many opportunities for turnovers to occur. The pass rush just hasn't been exactly what I I think this coaching staff and what the fans expected. Um, Maybe that turns around. Maybe that gets better. Um, We've seen Baylor defenses in the past in, you know, improve over the course of the season, even the bad ones, right. Um, In past regimes, the the bad defenses would become serviceable and opportunistic as the year goes along. Hopefully that happens here, but in, in terms of the offense, it can get better, but it's not horrible. The penalties are what worries me more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where um, – and, and, and I guess the best example of them trying to play the hurry up or trying to push the ball down the field would have been, I think, at that Oklahoma State game when they were down by a couple scores you know, late in that game and really uh, it were, were able to get it back close. Um, but then you know, those two turnovers that they had, those, those two interceptions, really kind of killed the momentum. And it seemed to me, from what I watched of it, like Shapin was pushing, trying to go quickly, like they were trying to do a hurry up to kind of catch Oklahoma State off guard. And it ended up biting them. Um, I will be very interested to see how well this Kansas defense can take advantage of those potential lapses. Now, they don't have Kobe Bryant, who is out with an injury, pretty nasty ankle injury. Um, he's the guy that I probably would have been looking to to get a pick in this game um, if he was in there. I think they have plenty of capable guys like Craig Young, um, you know, Marvin Grant, uh, Kenny Logan. Like, they have a ton of guys back there that could make those picks. And I think Kalon Gervin, who is going to be the guy that essentially takes over for Brian, I believe. Um, you know, he has been very good, just hasn't had as much time to play because of how great Brian has been this year. So it will be very interesting, I think, to see how he's able to fill in. I do want to ask one more thing about this offense because, yeah. um, you know, looking at like what I'm used to seeing from Baylor, you know, over the years has been that really great rushing attack. And, and I don't know that they necessarily have it this year. Um, you know, Richard Reese is the leading rusher with only 457 yards, um, you know, on 85 attempts. So he's, he's averaging 5.4, which is not bad at all, obviously. Um, but he doesn't seem to be getting quite the volume and quite the average um, that, that some of the other really great running backs are and some of the running backs that Baylor is used to seeing. So, you know, h- how much has that been difficult for this team to not have a guy that they can, you know, hand it off to like a, you know, like, like Kansas has Devin Neal and they had Daniel Hyshaw for a while. Texas has Bijan Robinson, you know, K-State has Deuce Vaughn, like guys that, you know, you can hand the ball to them. They're going to find yards. They're going to go ahead and actually move the sticks. I don't know that Baylor has that this year. Is, is that just a misperception on my part or is, has that been an issue? No slash Yes, but you're not wrong for for thinking the way you are. So I think Tay McWilliams was supposed to be that guy. He's been out for six weeks with a head injury. So nobody is really expecting to see him until we see him, right? Fair. But that means freshman Richard Reese has had to step up and really be like a three down back for most of the season. And it was splashy at the beginning of the season, right? You saw the promise there and he's got 
he, he there, there was one example is in this wide zone offense, you need to know when to cut it upfield. And that might be earlier than you were expecting, but you know, as a running back, you always want to make the big play and you, you might continue to stretch it out wider. Well, that was a big problem ended up in probably, you know, probably could have helped us win that Oklahoma state game. If he had cut it up and just gotten a first down on a pivotal fourth, but just lessons like that, you see him learning them. Right. So he's, he is getting better, but I mean, it, it, it all comes down to the rushing attack as a whole, right? You have squirrel Williams who should be back this week um, after a head injury as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, between the two, there is, there's pop there. So, but you look at the wins versus the losses, right? You look at the splits in wins, Baylor rushes for 5.6 yards a carry in losses six or 3.7. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? When they can run the ball, it looks really good and Baylor will get a win. If they can't, you know, not so much. It's it's kind of a confusing situation here for fans because last year we were spoiled with a really dominant, really smart, tough running back who sought out contact and knew exactly when to cut up field and did all of the things that most people don't notice. He did those right. So people didn't see the mistakes the freshman mistakes are going to happen most of the time. Like, unless you're just a freak athlete who's ready for the NFL anyway, there's going to be a couple mistakes. Hopefully we're working through those, you know, as a running back room. Uh, We'll see. I'm I'm hoping we continue to see that improvement because I think the potential for this rushing attack to be really good to almost as good as last season is, is there. It, It just, it's growing pains. Yeah, it's it's just not there yet. So, um, so I, I guess that kind of leads then into like the final thing that I think is going to be a big deal here: um, the offensive line for Baylor. Because again, this is another one where I think the impression that I'm getting is that this offensive line is not as strong as it was last year. Um, you know, they they seem to have given up. I mean, they've they've allowed 12 sacks of Shapen so far this year, which isn't horrible when you think about it. You know, with with uh, six games played. But I mean, that's two sacks a game that you're averaging, um, you know, and 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 so like it, it seems like they haven't been as great with protection. And the fact that the running the running yards are down for the entire team makes me think that at least part of that has to do with the offensive line opening up holes. How have they played this year? Have, you know, have they been prone to wearing out over the course of a game? Because I know that regardless of what, you know, hurry up. Baylor tries to run that is going to be Kansas's you know plan of attack is to try to wear them down and try to take advantage in the fourth quarter when you've got guys that are tired and aren't blocking quite as well as they normally would so how does this offensive line typically hold up over the course of the game and how much you know worry is there about the way this offensive line is playing the pass blocking has actually been pretty good Blake Shapin early in the season did have a tendency to hold on to the ball try to make the perfect throw the perfect play didn't throw it away a couple times, tried to create something when it probably shouldn't have tried to be created. Um, in the running game, it's been up and down, I'd say. Uh, you've had a couple really good games. Um, Gavin Byers, uh, the right tackle, has had some really bad games, but he's also had some really good games too. So it, it's kind of just looking for that consistency. Over the course of a game, pretty standard. I think Baylor's put itself in, in some bad positions recently in, in the late game situation that you can't really fault an offensive line too much for not pass blocking for the eight seconds that Blake or, or Kyron drones wants to, to get the ball really downfield. Fair. Um, I, I don't know that we can grade them fully, right? If, if you look at, the, you know, the the individual players like on PFF or something, right? A lot of really good green squares there, a lot of good grades. It's it's a matter of putting it all together on the same play, receiving, running, <laughs> running the ball, quarterback play, all at the same time. And I think that's been the issue. Interesting note, really, really maybe the best player on the offensive line, Khalil Keith, who has been out this season up until now uh, might be coming back this Saturday. I think he's a questionable or, or some variation of questionable for Saturday. Hope that happens because he's a force and running over that right side of the line has not been as effective, but it can get better real quick if he plays. Yeah. And, and speaking of getting better, um, you know, really quick, it's every single time I go out 
and look at the lineup offered by our sponsor here on the podcast, it gets better all the time. And of course, I am talking about Home Field Apparel. The Home Field Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They have a ton of different schools. Um, they have all the Power 5 schools at this point, and of course, they keep adding new stuff, whether it's additional shirts for schools that already have lineups or adding additional lineups as well. Um, they have so many great things, so many fantastic college, vintage college logos that I guarantee if you head over there, you're going to find plenty of stuff that you like, whether it's, you know, old Baylor shirts that have now been refreshed as well with some additional, um, you know, some additional offerings. The Kansas lineup they have is absolutely fantastic. And there are so many from all kinds of different random schools. If you go over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. Again, fantastic stuff, super comfortable. I am wearing, you know, my Beware of the Fog uh, home field shirt. It is absolutely, you know, the only thing that it doesn't do, I've actually tweeted this earlier today. Unfortunately, the one thing that home field is not good at is stopping, ca- you know, cats from clawing up your back. Um, unfortunately, I don't know that there's any clothing that can really do that other than Kevlar vests, and I don't think home field going into that anytime soon. But home field apparel, most comfortable stuff that you are ever going to find. And even if you can't wear logos or you just want to have that comfort, they do have uh, the new core collection, which has a lot of great stuff in it as well. So again, homefieldapparel.com. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Matt, I do want to go ahead and jump over to the other side of the ball for Baylor, the defense, and then kind of talk a little bit more about this game, what we're predicting is going to happen. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes Podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people. And we are back. I am joined here by Matt Wilson of Our Daily Bears and, of course, the Between Two Bears podcast here on the 1012 Podcast Network. Matt, we already talked about the offense for Baylor. Let's switch over to the defense because I think that's kind of been the most interesting thing for me. You know, Dave Aranda is known for his defense when he came over. Like, that was the expectation, right, was that he was going to be able to come over and transform this defense and make it even better. And they had a phenomenal defense last year. It feels like they've taken a step back. And what I'm curious about is, is that related more to the talent that they lost or the inability so far of the coaching staff to get the guys where they need to be able to replicate what happened last year. The, the former, I I think the personnel allowed for so much flexibility last season, right? You could move to single high, you could move Petrie down, use him as a run stopper, use him as a pass rusher. And when you have a super smart player like Jalen Petrie, it makes JT Woods, the 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 free safety his job much easier and Terrell Bernard makes everybody's job easier and so now you have a little bit less flexibility you're creating a little bit um you know less opportunities for unique looks for the defense to try to diagnose so i think it's 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 losing a, a starting um nfl safety and an NFL linebacker and an NFL free safety as well. It has more impacts than I thought. I thought this pass rush would be able to do more when isolated just by themselves. Um, but it, it, it's, it's honestly, it's a testament to the coaching staff on what they were able to do last season with the talent. I, I want to see this defense improve. Um, I want to see the tackling improve. The tackling was not up to par in Morgantown. Uh, and I think it can I just want to see a little bit more like, is it, is it terrible to say violence? Like I I want to see this defense have a little bit more of an attitude that they had last season. And maybe that's hard to, to muster up when the, the individuals driving that attitude are gone. But I still think that there are, there is enough talent on this defense to be good. Right. Right. So, so speaking of the talent and, you know, the ones that are kind of driving that attitude, who, who are the main leaders for this defense now then? Be- because of all the people that they lost, like you said, you know, the guys that were really leading that defense, especially being on the field and leading that, you know, and, and kind of shaping the way that the, the identity of this Baylor defense, who, who takes over? Like, who, who are those guys now that they look to to provide the big plays to give them the sparks that they need to get going? I mean, I think the best player is Siaki Ika. And he just doesn't play a position where 
the impact plays are noisy, right? Mudding up the the line of scrimmage isn't very sexy, right? There aren't a ton of sack numbers there. There aren't a ton of uh, tackle for loss numbers there, right? It, It is just him making the jobs for those around him easier, I I think I would love to see Garmin Randolph get back to what he was able to do a couple times this season. I would love to see um, Snacks. Uh, oh gosh, I forgot his last name. I'm I'm terrible with names on defense. You can tell I played offense in high school because I don't know anybody on defense, right? But there are like Lorando Johnson, Snacks Johnson. His nickname is Snacks. It's so cool. Sorry. Um, I think he has he is extremely talented. Uh, Devin Neal is talented. There there are guys that can step up. Al Walcott, I would love to see him play a little bit better. He had a cast on his hand earlier this season. He, he there was a pick that he probably could have had the BYU game that might have turned the tide there like but he had a big old cast on his hand. So there's talent there that could step up, but it's kind of like anybody can, it's just time for somebody to, I don't know if there is that defined leader without me being in the locker room. I don't know if there is that defined leader on the defensive side of the ball yet. No. And that's fair. Uh, By the way, aside there, you said Devin Neal, and I'm just now imagining that Devin Neal is going to tackle Devin Neal in this game (laughs) and everybody's going to be confused. It's probably going to happen at some point. I'm just hoping that there's not a case where Devin Neal intercepts a ball from Kansas and then Devin Neal, the running back, has to tackle him because that would get really confusing. What if Devin Neal throws an interception to Devin Neal and then Devin Neal... And then makes the tackle. Yeah. How about that? That would be pretty cool for me, personally. I would enjoy it. Yeah, well, I don't think that Devin Neal would ever throw the ball, though. So that's man, it's entirely possible. I mean, I don't think we have to worry now. Now, if, if we're talking about maybe maybe a fumble, right, that gets recovered and scooped up. Now and you're then, talking, there we go. Hey, either's fine. I'm not a <laughs> man. Either's fine. No, I am not projecting that that's going to happen. I'm not predicting that's going to happen because, as we know, my my bold predictions have a habit of somehow working out for me. So um, I do not want to make that one of them. So but can I call a timeout real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Just real quick. I am so proud of us. You and I. At least within the 1012 network and really honestly in a much wider scope of people that I interact with online and read online, you and I both just emphatically had the Kansas over, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And and then I started thinking about it. I was like, Kansas is going bowling this year. And I still absolutely truly believe that. And I'm just proud of us for for standing in firmly in what we believe in. And it, it's it's coming true, and I'm just happy about that. Yeah, I mean, as I said on Twitter, you know, I've been driving this bandwagon since January, and you very, very quickly jumped up and, uh, you know, became my, my navigator up there on, on the front of the now, wagon. So Now, I will say the cognitive dissonance that is required to cheer for Kansas football, like I am. I, I want Kansas to win every week that they're not playing Baylor. And then also have Kansas basketball on the other side. And I have a lot of emotional damage from Kansas basketball. So just splitting that hair has been very difficult for me, but I'm trying. That's all we can ask is that you try. So, but no, I, I, th- I do think it's kind of funny because, you know, um, there are so many people that are used to saying, well, this football team has been so bad that I want to actually see them do well until they actually start doing well. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. They already have basketball. Like, can we let them have football too? <laughs> you know, that, that's for, a problem. For a so, for a little, bit. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. As long as it's not like an every year type of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, hey, exactly. You nailed it. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> right on the same wavelength. <laughs> no, it's funny because when the Kansas basketball program and Kansas football program both have great years or have great years, they're usually at the same time. Because if you think about it, Kansas won a title in in '08. Um, oh, right yeah. after the football team won the Orange Bowl, That's and then right. Kansas won the title this last year, and now the football team is going absolutely crazy this year, and you know, way ahead of schedule. So, um, it, it's been great. It's awesome to kind of have that, you know, that athletic department cohesion there, and hopefully, it continues for a while. But talking specifically about this game, because you know, I think that there's a lot of people, especially recently, who have been, you know, looking for. Where does Kansas get that sixth win? And they've been looking at this one. And I think part of that, too, is just like I'm looking at the stats for Baylor and I don't I don't see that they have a super effective pass rush in terms of like getting the quarterback, getting sacks. Um, is, is that a fair statement? Because it seems to me like they just don't have a lot of guys that seem to be able to get home. They might be able to get some pressure, but like so I'm far. looking. I'm 
Go ahead. Yeah, so far you're 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 correct. I, at this point, you know, there there are quarterbacks like, um, oh god. Hopefully you just edit this out, but Spencer Sanders, goodness gracious. How could I forget his name? There are quarterbacks like Spencer Sanders, like Jaron Hall from BYU, right? Where if you get them off schedule, good things typically happen for your defense. And they couldn't do that that often. Now, maybe it was environment. Maybe it was pressure, you know, in, you know, internal pressure, putting them, putting it on themselves. Who knows what it was? But it just hasn't been there. I'm I'm confident that it can be and will come back. But no, it, it hasn't been there, at least definitely not to the expectation uh, of the fans. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, because like you look at it, Baylor only has 10 sacks on the season, which is not very many at all, which is I mean, I, I, I'm honestly surprised. I expected this defense to have quite a few. Kansas has 17. I mean, Lonnie Phelps has five by himself. So like, you know, this is one of those things where it's the big hole in this defense, I think that a lot of people were not expecting. And like, I understand that they lost guys. You know, I understand that they had some difficulty in terms of needing to go ahead and try to replace those guys. But, you know, I, I think Aranda has built up a reputation of being able to get his defenses to kind of do what he wants to do. And I realize he hasn't been a head coach for very long, but you know, with how successful they were on defense when he was at LSU and like everything going into that, I think that was the expectation, right? That Baylor wasn't going to have defensive issues, but I think you can point to them having some very serious defensive issues. I mean, you look at the game against Iowa State, you know, Iowa State, a a team that has been an absolute dumpster fire on offense um, quite a bit. You know, they scored quite a bit against Baylor. Um, You know, like how how much of a worry is there that this is a defense that has not shown the ability to step up in those big positions and really shut teams down? How much of a worry is it? It's an interesting way to phrase the question. Um, it has been concerning to see during the course of games. I will absolutely say that. I am also, take it with a grain of salt, I'm an overly optimistic person. I always will be. It's just who I am. So I am always ready to say, oh, pass rush is back, baby. We're back, back in action. All of our problems are solved. But not because like Texas, I, I, right? But not like Texas. Actually no one's ever back, back like right? Texas. Actually back. Um, My my whole my whole attitude going into the season, looking at the defensive side of the ball was, well, the the young guys in the secondary will have some leeway because this pass rush will be so good. Right. Because I do believe that's where it starts for this particular scheme, the way Randall likes to do it just hasn't been there. Right. And that's put a lot of pressure on the secondary, which is why you've seen some of the performances you've seen. I will say that Iowa State game was out of hand and they put up more points like in the fourth quarter when it was kind of already over. Despite that, you're exactly right. They they put up more points than they should have, especially looking at their performances after the fact. That being said, the pass rush, I will maintain my confidence. I will maintain my optimism. It can come back. There are play- Bryson Jackson, Garmin Randolph, Siaki Ika. Like there are players on the defense. Gabe Hall. There are definitely um, players on that defensive line that I think can make real differences um, more often than they are now. So what, what about for the rushing defense? Um, Cause like, I know that there's a lot of teams in the big 12 that have had a lot of issues trying to stop their opponents from rushing. Um, there's a, there's a lot of good running backs, you know, in this, in this uh, conference. So um, how, how good has Baylor been in stopping running backs? Because I know that that's one of, you know, Kansas's biggest weapons is the running backs and then specifically having the quarterback that can actually take off and run as well. H- has that been something that's been giving Baylor problems this year? Uh, recently, kind of. I'm going to run through the total. I'm, I'm going to run through the, the yards per play rushing the ball against Baylor's defense for you for the season. 2.9, 2.5, 2.4, 2.4. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. Iowa State, 2.4 yards per carry. That's fantastic. Um, and then Oklahoma State, 3.6. So 166 total yards, but they also ran the ball 46 times. Part of that was Spencer Sanders as well, did some good stuff with his feet. So take it for what it is. The issue is West Virginia, 5.9 yards a carry. Not sure where that came from. Don't know. Can't diagnose it past um, setting the edge a little bit better and tackling better, Right. But I tell you what, if they don't tackle well, Devin Neal is going to give them a hell of a day. And uh, I think the pick, the capability there, again, is there. It's all there. Everything that, that Baylor needs on defense is there. 
they just need to step up. I, I think this is a real gut check game. Like I said, an inflection point for the season. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's go ahead and jump over, um, jump into our picks here. Uh, you know, as we've been doing all year long, um, we are jumping with our sponsor here on the podcast. That is prizepicks.com. Um, prizepicks is the fast, easy, legal way to play daily fantasy. Um, they, allow you to go ahead and pick anywhere from two to five players to go and take a look at the lines that they have, uh, you know, picking over or under the different lines they have for the different statistics for a ton of different players across all of college football. They have more than just college football, too. They have NBA, NFL, um, you know, they, they had MLB, or actually, I guess they still have MLB. MLB for the playoffs. They even have like Premier League and a bunch of other stuff as well. So if you go over to PricePicks.com, use promo code Chalk12, you can get a one hundred dollar. I'm sorry, a one hundred percent instant match of your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. Means if you deposit twenty five bucks, they give you an extra twenty five. If you deposit hundred, they give you extra hundred. If you deposit two hundred, they give you the the full one hundred that they will match up there. But it's really easy, really fast. Lots of fun. I've been taking a look at it and been picking along all of these lines all season long, and I'm really enjoying it. So as we normally do here, I am going to go ahead and read off the lines that they have for the various players in this game. And I just want you to take a take a listen. Let me know which ones jump out to you. We'll go ahead and start with the passing game. I think they're not quite sure for whatever reason. Um, or either they're not sure who is going to start for Kansas, which I can tell you right now it's going to be Jason Bean. It's not Jalen Daniels. He he was back at practice in a limited capacity, but there's no way that he's playing. Um, yeah. So they don't have any line for Jason Bean on passing um, for whatever reason, but they do have for Blake Shape and they have 270.5 yards and 18.5 completions. They do not have any numbers for passing touchdowns or anything like that. But of those two, do, do either of those jump out to you as either high or low? Um, 270. That seems high to somebody who did not watch him last week. It also seems high to me uh, knowing that he had a head injury last week. However, man, I that, that is, it's a really good line for that prop. He had 326 yards last week against West Virginia, and he only threw the ball 22 times. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I mean, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Kansas has also shown the ability to give up a ton of yards, um, you know, on big plays, especially as they are trying to kind of settle in and figure out what's going on. Um, so, like, I could see – now, it's it's also one of those things, too, though, where I could see Shapin having, you know, 200 yards in the first half passing, and then the second half they end up going to the running game more because Kansas really clamps down. So, like, it, I mean – Entirely possible. I think, it's, I think it's set at a pretty good line if you're, you know, struggling with it. There's a good reason for it. I do think that if I was picking, I would probably go the over on that, um, you know, just because I think it's this, a lot of this Kansas team Saturday. I think there's going to be a decent number of points, but I also think that this Kansas defense is going to give up a ton of yards. They're used to giving up a ton of yards um, and then, you know, clamping down in the red zones, um, you know, stopping touchdowns in the red zone, which is something they've been really, really good at this year for the most part. Um, all right, let's let's jump over to rushing. They have I found this line is the funniest one I've seen all year long, okay? Blake Shapin, 5.5 rushing yards. I thought it had to be a mistake. Um, I went back and double-checked I, it. I can never remember if they include sack yards in that, but I think college football in general does. So oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about well. that. Okay, that so makes a lot more well. sense. Because um, I was saying there was like five, six yards. He only has to get six yards. Uh, but net, so if you net assume, out sacks, let's yeah. assume, Let's assume he takes a sack for a seven-yard loss. Um, that means he would need what twelve ish yards, thirteen ish yards to make right. up for that. No, plus some plus more than that. Um, yeah, I like the over on that. I really do because if he doesn't take a sack, then all he needs is a six yard little scramble on second down to to make it third and three or something. Yeah, I will yeah. say though, I don't I don't see how Baylor gets out of this without any sacks at all. Like. I think I this this Kansas defense is good enough, and they have enough guys that can rotate on the line, and I think they'll make enough plays to allow them to actually use that depth that I would have to guess probably Kansas probably gets two or three different sacks in this game. It's just a matter of when they come, how you know devastating they're going to be, like whether they completely disrupt drives or are just minor inconveniences. The other the other rushing numbers, though, that I'm seeing here, Richard Reese at 72.5 yards, and then Devin Neal at 74.5 yards, and half of a touchdown is the over under there any of those numbers jump out to you i like the over for all of them 
I really do. <laughs> I really do. I think this game is going to be um, a point-rich environment. Um, I think this game is probably in the high 30s, high four, or mid-40s for both teams. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad a bad guess there, just because I know that Kansas does play. I mean, the over-under is, you know, in the high 50s, so that's putting it at about, you know, well, especially with Kansas or with uh, Baylor being a 10-point favorite right now at most places, you know, that means that they're expecting roughly, uh, you know, 34-24 game, which, um, you know, is going to give you enough scoring and I think enough yards there for both of those guys to go over, especially since both these teams really like to run the ball. Um you know, I do think that Baylor likes to run the ball more than they like to pass the ball, just because that seems to be the norm here in the Big 12. Um, okay, let's let's jump over to receiving. Um, Monterey Baldwin at 56.5 yards on three and a half receptions. Luke Grimm on 44 and a half yards on four receptions. And Lawrence Arnold for Kansas at 41 and a half yards and three and a half receptions. Any Lawrence of those jump Arnold out? Is so fun. Lawrence Arnold is so fun. Oh, I know. He's a blast. The, the issue with Monterey Baldwin is that he could get that on on one catch the yep. yardage um it it won't likely be a situation where he catches 13 balls for 90 yards right it's going to be four catches for 130 yards maybe max right like max four catches for that um how presley has kind of turned himself into the uh, I wouldn't say primary or preferred target, but he has been getting more targets lately in, in clutch situations. I'll say under on that, but tentatively, I, I probably wouldn't put anything on that prop. Yeah, I would probably, for, for Baldwin, I'd probably go over on the yards, but under on the receptions. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Because, well, one, kind of like you said, you know, it seems like they're not going, they're not targeting Baldwin as much as they were early in the year. Um, but he is definitely a receiver that's capable of those big hits for, you know, a 30 or 40 yard game. So if, if he gets two of those, he easily goes over, um, you know, the yards, but stays under the receptions. I think for Kansas, it's a similar sort of thing with Luke Grimm. Ever since Jason Bean came in, Luke Grimm is definitely still a good part of this offense. But Jalen Daniels was, you know, a guy that really zeroed in on Luke Grimm. It seemed like Luke Grimm was kind of his safety valve um, for a lot of different things. Like Jalen Daniels would throw I think a a a lopsided number of passes towards Luke Grimm and then uh and then Jared Casey like it always seemed like those guys got a lot of looks when Daniels was a quarterback with being in it's been a lot more of Lawrence Arnold and guys like Quentin Skinner um you know and then and then Mason Fairchild has had some really good games as well so I do think that Luke Grimm is probably going to go under on both of those not necessarily because they're not going to look for him or that Baylor is going to completely shut him down. I think it's just going to be there's so many other places that they're looking that it's going to be difficult for him to get those those yards and those receptions. I think Lawrence Arnold is going to have at least one 35-yard catch in this game, if not more. Um, and I do think that they're going to go to him consistently because he is the guy I think they can get deep on this Baylor team. And Kansas is going to look to open it up to take some deep shots to try to open things up for that running game that they have. So I would go over on both of Lawrence Arnold's. I would go under. I think on both of Luke Grimm's and then probably over yards and under receptions like we talked about for Baldwin. Yeah, so. I like that. All right. Well, um, that's actually all the ones that they had for prize picks for, for, for the players. So, again, prizepicks.com. Use that promo code Choctova. You can get that 100% uh, instant Love match up picks. to 100. Oh, it's, it's great stuff. I'm so glad that we started working with them this year. Um, look, we did symbol last year, which was a whole lot of fun, and I'm still keeping up with that because let me tell you, I've gotten some nice payouts from my Kansas teams that I own. Um, but, you know, this has been great to get into this individual players to kind of understand the daily fantasy market a whole lot more than I used to. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and, and finish up with the obvious thing here. Looking at this game, how do you expect this game to go? What is your prediction for this game? Oh, brother. Well, I'm done. I'm done picking blowouts for Baylor. I'm done. I'm just not doing it this season. I'm not saying Baylor isn't go still going to have a successful season. Heck, there's only like one objectively bad loss on the Baylor conference schedule thus far, right? Baylor had two losses in conference last season. The everything is still in front of Baylor if they would want it. This is a gut check game. At home, I I do expect that Randy came out and said in the Oklahoma State game, the energy wasn't there in the first half. I expect that problem, whatever caused it to be fixed. It's homecoming. We got Sailor Bear on the helmets. 
it was just announced. Um, I expect this Baylor team to come out in one of the better versions of themselves that we've seen this season. I um, am very impressed with Jason Bean and how he has improved. But I do think if Baylor gets him off schedule a bit, it, it, it he, he doesn't revert all the way to last season's version of Jason Bean better than last season, but, but, you know, not, not Daniel's level. Right. So I, I have to predict a Baylor win. I do. It's at home. If you're looking at it objectively. Um, but I think it's un- extremely uncomfortable for Baylor fans. I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, what's a plausible high 30 score, right? If you go 35, 30, 42, 38, maybe 42, 41, somewhere in there. What, what's the line right now? If it's, if it's a touchdown around there, last I saw it was, it, it was 10. Um, yeah, I think Kansas covers that. Um, and I agree. it's close all the way through and everybody gets heartburn and everybody leaves exhausted. I mean, if you're not, Getting heartburn and leaving exhausted. Did you ever actually do you, like yeah, care you about care? your football team? Do you even care? So, <laughs> right, exactly. No. So I mean, I I do think that there's a couple of different things there that I would push back on just a little bit. Um, I think there's a lot of people that get or that, that are misremembering how good Jason Bean was last year. You know? Oh no, I'm not. Like he, I think he, he was he, extremely he was good. Unfortunately, the offensive line was you know had not gelled yeah. at all. So, um, you know, I think it's one of those things as well. Like most Baylor fans are thinking about that. Think about the game that he had against Baylor, and that was really early in the year. Um, mm-hmm. Kansas was having tons of problems at that point. But, like, you saw him almost beat Oklahoma. You saw the way that he was playing against some of should those other teams, Oklahoma. right? Oh, yeah. Should, I'm, right. Still mad. I'm still mad about that. That is, yeah. But anyway, that yeah, that was so ridiculous. Like, Kansas should have been a three-win team last year because they should have beaten Oklahoma. Although, well, I don't think Texas was good enough to, um, you know— like, I, I don't think that Kansas beating Texas last year was a Texas overlooking Kansas. So I don't think it would have made much of a difference if they had beaten Oklahoma or not in terms of how that game went. But anyway, um, you know, looking at this, I do think that Bean is a lot better this year than he was last year. And he wasn't bad last year. I think it really comes down to he has shown the ability that when he makes a mistake to forget about it. You know, and, and like we hear that all the time. You know, that's like one of the biggest cliches, you know, like uh, having no memory of his you know, of his bad plays or anything like that. But Bean is a guy who has, you know, he is so used to bad, that gunslinger mentality where he is not afraid to take deep shots. He's not afraid to do what he needs to do. He has definitely cut back a little bit on the running game so far this year. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Daniels is injured. And, you know, the 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 coaching staff would like to avoid going to Ethan Vasco in this game if they can help it, um, you know, true freshman who, you know, while I think he will eventually be pretty good and he's pretty high heralded, guy he's definitely not ready to to jump in and play significant minutes um yet at this point so it'll be very i think very very interesting to see what they do and how much they dial up stuff or what they dial back for being um i do think though that kansas is going to make this a game and i honestly think they have a really good shot at winning this one just because yeah like absolutely um you know I think that Kansas defense is going to make enough big plays to slow Baylor down which means that they're going to be putting themselves in situations where Kansas can go ahead and utilize that depth, can go ahead and get those defensive rotations. Um, and then it comes down to the, the fourth quarter. Like, I, Kansas is much, is much more of a second-half team than I have seen from a Kansas team in a very, very long time. Um, and that's the other thing, too. This team has already gotten down big in a lot of games and come back to make them competitive or come back and win. Um, I don't think that there's a situation where Baylor can get up enough that this team is not going to be able to put up enough of a fight to make it a close game at the end. So um, I honestly don't care if Baylor jumps out and scores the first 21 points, you know, or if Kansas gets up by 17, like early in the first half or something like that. Like I see this as a game that is going to come down to the wire. And ultimately, I do think that Kansas finally gets that six win in their third attempt. Um, I'm thinking it's probably going to be something like 38-35. Like, it's going to be a high-scoring yeah. game, like you said. Um, it's going to be a very close one. And it's really just a matter of who blinks first, who makes that mistake. I think Baylor has shown more of a tendency to make those mistakes than Kansas has at this point. So if that's what I'm you know, basing as the thing that decides the game, you know, Kansas does not turn the ball over very much. Baylor definitely turns it over more than the Jayhawks have. And so it'll be like, I think that's what it's going to come down to is a late turnover that's going to decide this game. Um, so I, I will, 
you know, as much as I, like, the beginning of the year, I looked at this one and it's like, oh, yeah, that's a loss for sure. But the way that Baylor has played and kind of come back to the pack and the way that Kansas has overperformed all the expectations, I think it's close enough now that if they're going to get a road win, um, you know, or sorry, if they're going to get a second road win this year, um, I think this is a very, very likely spot for them to do it. And the great part is both scenarios, totally plausible. Yeah. Not neither neither of us are like blowing smoke up the other ones behind. I think this is going to be an extremely entertaining game and I wish I could remove my fandom right like, in some other universe to watch this game completely objectively cuz I think it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those games where um people are, you know, much like the Kansas TCU game that we saw on game day. Like people are going to look at this game and say, "Man, you know, that yeah. was a great game to watch. I really enjoyed it." And like you know, even I, as a Kansas fan, wasn't could not be upset with that game. I think this is going to be a similar situation. Even if Kansas loses this one, I don't think it's going to be a, a huge margin. And so I think a lot of Kansas fans are going to feel really good about the fact that, you know, they came into Waco with a backup quarterback and fought really hard in this game with a bunch of defensive guys out. Sounds like Lonnie Phelps will be fine for this game and will be back. He was hampered against Oklahoma, which definitely didn't help them defensively either. So, um, but it will be interesting, I think, to see how well they're able to take advantage of all of that. So I can't wait for this game. It is not very often that I have been able to say at the end of October that I can't wait for a football game. Um, you know, it's funny because I am... I have delayed the basketball coverage I normally do over uh, over at the website um, sure. to wait for the Kansas bye week so that I can uh, jump in without having to compete with all my football articles. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's a great game that we both can look back fondly on after this yeah. after this season. Um, but uh, I'm sorry I didn't leave very much time at all for us to talk basketball. But before we get out of yeah, here, I will let you go time. ahead. Um, obviously, we just had Big 12 Media Days, and all anybody could talk about was just how great this conference was, um, you know, and all, all like how fantastic the competition is going to be this year. And of course, Baylor was picked as the uh, the number the the team that everyone expects to win, or they were number one in the preseason poll um, for yeah. the conference, and Kansas was right behind at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, they are also both tied for the fifth ranking in the AP preseason poll. So to be yeah, I think everybody expects them to be fairly even, but what are you looking forward to the most for this Big 12 season? Um, and, and just how competitive are those two games between Kansas and Baylor going to be? Oh, they're going to be, they're going to be gross to, to watch as a fan because they're going to be, Kansas is going to do the Kansas thing where a couple of freshmen come in and have more impact than opposing fans think they should. And Baylor is going to have great guard play and, uh, you know, some some competent front court play, but, you know, maybe not quite as good as Kansas's. And it's going to be a really, oh, man, the frustrating runs to watch, but then exhilarating runs on your part. And Keontae George, man, I think he's going to be the difference maker in a lot of games. He's just insanely talented, the most talented recruit Scott Drew's ever had. I don't care what the rankings say. He's absolutely the most talented. So. Scott Drew, what can what can you and your staff do with the most talented guard by far that you've ever recruited with a, a nice mix of, of uh, experience and veteran leadership in that locker room as well? So it's really cool that the Big 12 has like five teams. If they send five or six to the tournament, I'd say all five or six could potentially make the final four. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, so it's so much fun to be a part of that conference. Well, I mean, and and you just think of what like TCU did, you know, and almost upsetting Arizona last year. Like there are, you know, the big 12 has shown time and time and time again, that they can take good performances and turn them into great performances come March. So the fact that they have had so many great deep runs recently, you know, with Texas Tech making in 2019, Kansas and Baylor being by far, like Kansas being by far the overall number one in 2020 with Baylor not that far behind. I think they were like three in Ken Palm at the end of the year. Um, you know, so like if that tournament didn't get canceled, we might have had a Kansas Baylor final, um, you know, and then we would be talking, man, it'd be absolutely insane be talking about, you know, four back-to-back years where the Big 12 had teams in the title game. But, uh, look, you know, it's it's great. I think that Scott Drew is is the Big 12 coach that I have the most respect for outside of Bill Self, um, which is saying a lot considering the way he started. And, you know, I used to yeah. be 
I used to be part of the group that had all of these Scott Drew memes and, you know, <laughs> like kind of like talking about, I think at one point over on Rock Chalk Talk, we did a, uh, we did a, uh, we had a writer who did a Bruce and Drew, uh, let's see, what was it? Yeah, uh, Bruce and Scott, like, cartoon type of thing, which was so hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I remember. So, like, he he was a guy that used to be talked about, right, as a, you know, hope that he can, he can do enough to kind of hang around for a while because you have to root for him. So now he is, I think, by far well-respected as one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. So to see him come that far, to see him bring Baylor that far, it's like I don't necessarily like having Baylor as that rival that's up there every single year, um, like, like you know, neck and neck with Kansas and making it a lot more difficult um, than I think a lot of Kansas fans want it to be. But it is sure nice to have another team in the Big 12 that really represents the conference well and makes it so that people don't talk about the Big 12 as just Kansas and a whole bunch of other people. So, um, yeah. All right. I'm going to go ahead and cut it off there because otherwise we'll be talking for another hour about basketball. Uh, It'd be really easy to do at this point, but I think both of us have other stuff going on. So. Matt, for those that want to find all of your work online, get more information about Baylor, what it, where is the best place to do that? At Matt is Bear on Twitter. Between two bears, you, you'll you'll find the links on my uh, Twitter account, and you could also go to at Between Two Written Out Bears there, and uh, that's the best place. Of course, ourdailybears.com. Have a lot of smart people over there doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, not all we do some conference wide stuff as well. So go check that out. A lot of a lot of people over there that are smarter and more creative and funnier than I am, and um, I'm just happy to be a part of it. So uh, it's uh, it's a good time in Big Twelve sports. I'm excited. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I will say, following you, your personal account is a very much a at your own risk type of situation i usually say it's a very specific life choice yes but you know if that life choice includes um getting running commentary of the uh between speaker music of the big 12 media days music that was that was absolutely fantastic and uh, look as much as you know as much as i think that you would absolutely nail that if they let you do that next year i thought they actually did a a pretty good job (laughs) with some stuff that lined up so they won me over after a while exactly all right well matt thank you so much for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening if you have not already Please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, it'd be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that. Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 1012 Podcast Network uh, in partnership with the Sports Strength Network, which is, of course, your home for all things sports and non-sports. Great group of people in both of those networks. Um, really appreciate everything that they are doing. It's fantastic to be part of that group. Go over to 1012network.com and you can get links to all of the shows. Or, of course, you can find them in the Sports Strength library of, of shows. So uh, make, make Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, prizepicks.com. That promo code CHOCK12 gets you great deals, and that's going to do it for us. Matt, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.